Sky Fit Podcast. Three, two, one, go! Righto, guys, welcome to the next podcast. Um, and we're lucky enough today to have uh, the one and only Shy Fit legend, Marcel, in the house. Marcel, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks, Jack. Uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Um, uh, for any of you who don't know, Marcel currently trains over at our uh, Corby location and is also one of the owners of the roastery, which uh, most of our members definitely know about. Um, and uh, the roastery uh, offers some of the top, best quality coffee around. And uh, today we thought we'd do a little bit of a podcast talking about... Um, the history of the roastery and where it's located in, in Nencore and also uh, a little bit of information all about coffee and get a sort of a better understanding about it because I think it's a bit of a dark art at the minute. Well, yeah, some would say it's a dark art, but um, it's 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 quite easy really. It's just about good quality and fresh, mate. That's all it is. Yeah, that's the one, mate. That's the one. So a little bit back background about you, Marcel. I, t- I suppose... Um, we were just talking a minute ago about your sporting background and uh, we know you're super strong in the gym for your first session where you <laughs> came in and just that. threw some weights <laughs> around like nothing. But uh, yeah, you, you say obviously you played rugby when you, were, when you were a kid. That's it, yeah, up to the age of 15 I played over at Kettering Town. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but um, yeah, back in those days there was a lot of people walking their dogs, not cleaning up the mess. And <laughs> it just wasn't uh, uh, a pleasure, let's say, sliding around in the mess. But um, yeah, then um, yeah, after uh, rugby, my family got me into skiing, you know, at quite a young age. And I really, really took to that. So uh, yeah, I worked as an instructor over at the Skew Bridge, which is... Really, no, the yeah, bridge. Yeah, yeah, I remember that bridge. Place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice little uh, mole hill with some crazy dry ski matting on there. Um, so yeah, worked worked there, and then used to race every weekend on all the dry ski slopes around the country. And then, yeah, finally made it into the Eastern Region Ski Squad, and then got shortlisted to go and train with the Alpine British Alpine Ski Team. Um, which was good fun, um, but ended up really training with the British freestyle ski team, doing a oh, bit of trampolining. What's, what's freestyle? So freestyle. So the back in the day we would call it hot dogging, but it's um, it's aerial ramping. So you'd end up uh, throwing yourself off a big kicker and doing back somersaults and with twists, and you had to train on a trampoline of all places with little skis on. Um, which I found really difficult to be honest. I wasn't very good on a trampoline. I was much better on the the real snow. But um yeah, unfortunately, you know, as a youngster, sort of 16, 17 years old trying to make it as a pro skier just was never really going to going to work out unfortunately. So yeah, that, that, that was the end level. of that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right though, but that top level of sport is like cutthroat, isn't it? You yeah, know, to, yeah. You have to you get to that 1% to get involved with it. It's... Yeah, yeah, and to, you know, when I was when we were training with the Alpine ski team, I think I was uh, about 16 at the time, and I'll, I'll never forget going on the mountain. And the instructor coach said, "Right, come on, let's all go as fast as we can from top to bottom." And we were going flat out, um, no turns, just straight. Um, and then the French under 13s came past us as if we were standing still <laughs> with one ski on their shoulder. So they were carrying a ski and they just made us look like 
complete beginners. So, yeah, at that point, I thought, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you try, and that's the main thing, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's fantastic. So, that was obviously 16, 17, and then you, you're local, you're Northamptonshire based, right? That's it, yeah, born and bred, born in Kettering, and yeah, my family uh, started up business here in Wellingborough. Um, in the mid 80s yeah um, so yeah we we had the the outdoor shop called Best Buys um, and I used to work there for my dad um, Best Buy started off selling seconds um, barbecues and uh, punctured um, inflatable boats and, and okay, I used yeah. to be I used to be there at the weekends sticking patches on the um, inflatable boats and we'd pump them all up and make sure they didn't go down <laughs> and sell them for a fiver and yeah we used to fix um, you know go through mountains of barbecues and make one good barbecue out of 10 faulty ones um, so yeah started the empire started there really back in the early 80s and then um, then we moved to Nencourt um, in 1991, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we uh, we've grown slowly but surely um, ever since we moved here. That's fantastic. So you uh, so barbecue, you're the man. Well, I wouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've got a I've got a, a wood fired pizza oven at home, and I do love that. I oh, think that they, sounds uh, good. They are um, a must-have if anyone's got uh, room in their garden for a wood-fired oven. Then. I think it'd be dangerous, though. It'd be dangerous <laughs> having a pizza you want to be eating every day. Right? Yeah, yeah, true, true, um, true. That's wicked. So you come over, So your family came over to Nencourt, 1991. That's right. And this place was already was already built and established, but did it go through some changes when you first got here? Or was well, it a... no. I mean, it was very derelict. The whole site was, um, and we 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 basically moved into half of the site and the remaining half was uh was still derelict um which we then later uh, managed to acquire later on um late 90s um so we had to go through all of the property and renovate all of the buildings um but we used them mainly for manufacturing the catering trailers that we um we were building we used to build hundreds of them every year um but that's gradually declined um, and then the space that came available from the manufacturing, we we decided to turn it into a bit of a retail park, and that was that was probably in well, about ten, twelve years ago now yeah. that we decided to do that, um, and that slowly but surely has got busier and busier. Um, so yeah, I think then court has gone through some some quite nice changes, and it's just getting better and better every year. Yeah, well, Nencourt's always been known, especially being local, local families, been known for um, like those small niche shops and like different shops that you wouldn't normally find anywhere else. And that's what we've taken Absolutely. away from it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if any of the high street companies ever approached us for space down here, it was always a, a straightforward no. Um, it's got to be independent. It's got to be something a bit different. Um, yeah, so let's 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 hope it um, it all comes good. No, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, this is good, and obviously um, your your trailer company that's called Toability, isn't it? Which you've obviously you've still got running now, and there's lots of work going on with that. And then um, and then it sort of moves on nicely into what you've set up, which is the roastery. And what was the story, or the how did you get to the idea of setting it up and growing it? Well, it basically uh, it all stemmed from the the Toability trailer business. We um, 
we were asked um, possibly about 25 years ago now to put coffee machines in the back of the little three-wheeler Apes, the little yeah. Piaggio, the little Italian three-wheelers. Um, and my father thought it was a bit of a crazy idea. It was a Frenchman that was asking him to, to, to convert these vehicles. Yeah. Um, but we went along with it. And from that point onwards, we became very specialised in putting coffee machines into the mobile world. Um, and we got a passion for coffee, having installed lots and lots of coffee machines. Um, and we then thought there'd be a, a, a niche market for small quality coffee machines in the domestic environment so for your kitchen at home mm. um, and that's when Bella Barista was born um, so Bella Barista is is a, uh, a specialist online shop that also has a showroom here in then court where we sell high-end coffee machines um, for your kitchen at home and after many years of growing that business we just felt the natural thing to do was to to start roasting quality coffee so that that happened about five years ago now Jack. yeah mm. that's what yeah because i remember it being bella barista and that's having right. that as that set when, when was bella barista set up bella barista was set up in the mid 90s um and we went to a lot of the bbc good food shows at the nec and we were uh you know just trying to get people um involved in in the fact that there are quality coffee machines that you can buy for your home that are fully repairable and serviceable. Um, so we did a lot of legwork at the exhibitions and um, put a lot of effort into the internet as well, having a really good website, lots of information, lots of non-biased tests on all the coffee machines that we would sell. Um, so, so yeah, it just it really did, um, and it still is um, a, a thriving business you know coffee's coffee's there it's keep, keeps it growing is, yeah no it is isn't it? it's huge yeah. absolutely huge so when obviously you're doing those machines how do you wh where do you start when you go we're going to start the roastery and we're going to start roasting coffee what's like what's the start point how do you how did you start it well um we we basically did our research on on finding a roaster um machine um we looked all all around the world um we fell in love with the a company based in Israel um, and we negotiated um, a price on a, uh, a coffee roaster which we imported and we now represent them in the UK as well so we sell um, their brand of coffee roasters in the UK and then um, and then yeah through getting through tons of coffee <laughs> learning how to to get the best results out of the roaster we were then really really happy with the product that we were producing with the the roaster um, managed to get some uh, great taste awards and and then we had the confidence to to start putting our coffee out in the local area that's amazing and then and then where did you find your coffee from in terms of the beans where yeah this is this is the really the good fun part i mean there are um there are the usual avenues where you would speak to the the coffee traders um they're based in london and quite a few of them are based in holland um, they send you samples of the green coffee and then we roast them and then we do a process that's called cupping where we will uh, we will just use a primitive method of, of mixing ground coffee in a cup with hot water um, and we let it steep for four minutes and then we sip um, small 
quantities of the coffee off of a spoon and we slurp it a bit like wine tasting if you've ever done that yeah um and that aerates the coffee in the palate and helps you taste uh the coffee and whether it's got the good flavors that we want um so we we have had some chance meetings with uh coffee farmers um you know so the world's a small place now and and a lot of the uh the coffee farmers will uh, will travel around and go to the exhibitions and you can just bump into people randomly and get a relationship going and before you know it you're you're buying beautiful coffee direct from their farm in 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 whatever country it's from that was the first learning experience for me was you don't just have one standard coffee bean like you you've got so many different on option and they've all they've all got different flavors different textures and it was something i was so naive to when we first met and we started looking into the coffee and looking offering it um offering it a shy fit and it was very much like i thought it was just one kind and then the moment i started to taste it and actually really understand it you suddenly realize there's a lot more to it and and it's it has turned me into a proper coffee snob now <laughs> it is terrible I, I struggle now to go to other places for coffee absolutely um yeah. because you know you can you can just taste it you know straight away the moment you've got a sip but it's yeah. too bitter or and yeah you know that process that it's got it's gone through in order to get to that point as well well this is it i mean the the speciality coffees that we are roasting the the farmers are taking so much care in growing this beautiful product um the processes that are involved in in harvesting the coffee then washing the coffee drying the coffee sorting the coffee to make sure it's all the right sizes and make sure there's no defects in there um make sure there's not been any infestation um so that's why the good coffee is grown at higher altitude where there's less a risk of infestation okay. from insects etc um so yeah and when you're growing coffee at altitude you know it's it's not easy to harvest so um you know these farmers have taken uh, a lot of care to give us the best products so we then find it our duty to take care roasting the product and packaging the product and and then giving it to you guys um it's just great you know the whole chain of everybody caring about their coffee and and even down to the the guys in your gym that are making the coffee you know mm. they have the training with us so and they care that the coffee is made correctly so yeah once yeah, you've had right. once you've had it all good you know it's going to be so difficult to have a coffee um, when you're out and about, unless you know that they're 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 taking care, it's you're right, and it's it's quite hard to appreciate actually where they've come from and what it's what they've gone through. Like you said, so you've got obviously the coffee bean, and they 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 start off green, don't they? That's it. Well, it so. starts off like a like a bit of a cherry, really. Um, they're actually berries, but they look they look like a, a cherry hanging on a tree that's got a stone inside it, and the bean is the stone inside. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different processes. You, first and foremost, they must only pick the uh, the cherries when they're perfectly ripe. They don't want to be under or over. So that's the first key. Um, and then the process of getting rid of the flesh around the, 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 the bean in the middle could be either washed. It could be naturally dried off in the sunlight. So there's different processes, we call them washed or natural. There's even other processes called honey process, where they would dry the coffee on raised beds um, in like polytunnels, and then they move the coffee around every couple of days by hand. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different processes. Uh, and the Central and Southern American countries really have these um, 
these processes down to a T. Um, and then some of the more uh, remote places like Ethiopia and Tanzania, they, they're not quite there yet with the processing. Even though they produce fantastic coffees, they just haven't had that investment that the Central and Southern Americans have had. Yeah. So we, we a lot of our coffee does come from um, Amer Central America, but we, we love getting specialist coffees, small batch coffees in from all over the world really it's really exciting that's yeah, awesome and then obviously they, they get brought over to you and we've seen those bags they come in the old school bags and um and then obviously the next step for you is then to roast them isn't it and i think the th the first thing um i noticed when we started getting the coffee in was looking at it and going this has been roasted yesterday yeah and you know whereas you you know i've seen other bags of coffee they're roasted two months beforehand yeah this is it yeah um so is timing quite important massively yeah i mean there's there's a coffee green coffee has got a, a shelf life of around about 18 months to two years some some of the the more specialist coffees can go in in really lovely packaging so they'll last a bit longer um, once it's roasted it's um it's really got a, a shelf life of about three weeks it's not going to go off and it's not going to upset you uh, in any way if you if you drink old coffee it's just not going to have the flavor um, and the freshness that you that you really want out of your coffee so yeah ideally if you can drink a coffee you know within two weeks of it being roasted it's going to be at its best yeah. so uh, yeah when you pick a bag of coffee up in a supermarket or wherever you are rarely will you see a roast date on there um, so that's what it's all about having a small local roaster that you know is is roasting regularly every couple of days or every day depending on how busy we are and then you're getting that coffee delivered to you within days of it being roasted that's yeah. that's that's the real that's yeah the real. that's the art right and then yeah in terms of roasting now i've watched stuff in the past before about how important it is and how you roast a coffee bean correctly because you can you can do it too much can't you, you can absolutely under roast it as well yeah i mean you've got to think about it it's 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 a plant-based product and what we're looking to taste is the the lovely oils and sugars and, and fruity flavors that are inside that bean um so if we're we're using speciality coffee which we do always um, it's important to try and keep that flavor in the bean so we don't roast them till they're black and charcoal like the the big high street boys do um, because their coffee is uh, a very low grade commercial commodity coffees they have to roast all of the unpleasant flavors out of the bean so that's why you see oh, okay. the coffee is very dark um, so because we're using uh, special special speciality coffees the um the important thing for us is to roast it that that bit uh lighter and uh, a lot more care goes into the roast it's all roasted by hand in a in a machine that we we use all our senses on so we basically are, are keeping all those lovely flavors within that coffee bean so yeah when you grind it um, once it's roasted and then you put it through a grinder it's literally wants to be consumed then you know you don't want to grind it and leave it for half an hour so yeah all your grinders that you have at your yeah. your gyms are, are what we call on demand grinders so someone asks for a coffee you you grind it there and then and then dispense the coffee and if you get the grind wrong 
It's, uh, it's all over, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff yeah. been wasted, right? Yeah, yeah, that poor man up in the mountain, <laughs> or lady, has just, it's oh. all been a waste of time yeah. because, yeah, it's all been ground on. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's it. You know, it can be ruined and right at the final hurdle, can't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it's really important that we... Uh, we take care when we're grinding and, and extracting our, our lovely coffee. Well, we, yeah, because we, we had this during the summer when it went really, really hot. Yeah. And the grind just completely changed. And yeah. we, had to, we had to change it as the temperature this changed right. to sort of yeah. match how the grind worked. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got people starting at six in the morning, haven't you? Yeah. So, you know, and at the moment it's freezing cold, yeah. six o'clock in the morning. And then if the sun comes out, halfway through the day and it's warming up yeah the grind's got to be changed uh throughout the day yeah. definitely yeah. yeah 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 and then uh and obviously then the final part is putting him through the machine and uh yeah and create creating the coffee and i think yeah i think I, I, the biggest thing for us was the quality was just so much higher and then it was also a really big learning experience about actually how much effort goes into making that coffee and then you know we've, we've seen the members and how much they enjoy it and and, mm. and and how you know? I think all them are turned into coffee snu- snubs. You, you know, you've yeah. seen, you've had them come in and come and meet you now. Yeah, well, I have to come stuff, to the yeah. gym fifteen minutes early, don't I? To yeah. do my my coffee consultation. Yeah, you do. Yeah, go. pretty much do, don't you? <laughs> yeah, Everyone says so, so. How do I do this? How do I? You know. <laughs> So, yeah, which is yeah. great though you know this yeah. is what it's all about it's, I mean, it's, it's been amazing fun. I think like the reason the moment you, you know we first met and I thought about it was the reason I wanted to try and introduce um, the, the, the coffee culture into Shirefit was because I wanted members to feel like it was their second home they could stay at home like you know they could stay there and just relax and mm. they can get their training session but they can also stay afterwards and a lot of members were already doing that but we had nothing on offer in fact we had like a traditional kettle and yeah. we'd go around making coffees for people like that and obviously I can see you like you're not looking happy about the fact we used to do that <laughs> but um, yeah so uh, it's been a huge change for us and, and have it, having that involved has been amazing but what What's your um where do you want to take and what's your aim with the roastery now in terms of moving it forward well obviously uh we just want to try and get the coffee out to, into as many local places as we can um we we've we've invested in putting a, a training academy here in at the roastery now so we've got a great facility to be able to train um anybody that's using our coffee and that's really uh where i really want to push it is to try and let people know that we've got this beautiful academy we will give people the time and the training so that they can put it through the machine in the best possible way um, with the right skills to to do it justice um, so yeah I just want to keep um, keep getting the brand out and about in the local area and let people know that we're here and that we're we're passionate about what we do and just and just slowly grow it you know it's it's just going to be an organic growth hopefully yeah mate well, it's been also it's been, and it's been really really enjoyable watching the roastery grow and see you know all the different things you've been doing from where from when you first started and obviously you know, you're dealing with England rugby players now and helping people <laughs> like that out and getting them involved with it all and you can see the brands really growing so it's been really really exciting so uh yeah well, thank you so much for on the podcast hopefully some people can take away a little bit from the journey that a coffee bean goes through from start to finish and also just a little bit about the roastery as well but mate thank you very much pleasure mate awesome cheers